What are your feelings on Reggie Bush? The Bush push. Let's go. (laughs) 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 All right. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham, joined as always, by the master of disaster, Mr. Neil Smith himself. Neil, it is week one of the NFL season. Are you hyped? So hyped? So hyped. <sighs> so happy that we're not doing another preseason show, Steve. I cannot stress to you how, and well, you know, I shouldn't be stressing to you, but to the audience, how much additional prep work that those preseason <laughs> shows require. Pulling yeah, together the division all by division the background work goes, uh, is, goes a little while. It takes. Uh, we we end up having to do show notes for about a day in advance. So we this week, it's all news, baby. All news. Cut down day has come and gone. We got a lot to cover, especially with your boyfriend Bill O'Brien, Steve. Man, that just Ugh. made this show so much harder, longer, and vainier. Don't get me started. <laughs> just, just just don't even get me started. Oh no, we're gonna get you started. Oh no, because we're gonna get to it. my whole. I'm gonna just sit here and poke at you. Well, I'm we're gonna, gonna start with my other boyfriend, Zeke. <laughs> has uh, signed his mega extension. Shock. Awe. Who could have foreseen such an outcome (laughs) to this situation? Uh, I mentioned it earlier today on Twitter. Look, it it was one of the more uh, popular questions we were getting here during the preseason is why do you keep sinking Melvin Gordon in your ranks, but Zeke remains at number two overall? Why doesn't Zeke move? Why isn't Zeke affected by this? And this is why. Because this is the most obvious outcome to this situation. The Cowboys could not run their offense without Ezekiel Elliott. Whether you believe that or not, we all know that Jerry Jones believed that. And his is the only voice that matters in this situation. He would be the one that is, in fact, writing that check. And he did. And this is why I didn't feel the need to get back on Twitter. Because I've made my stance on this, and it's come through in my rankings as well. We've talked about this at length. My Dak ranking, my Amari Cooper ranking, all my Cowboys rankings, my Zeke ranking, they don't change, and they didn't change because I was convinced that this would ultimately happen because, as I've been saying all along, Zeke is the straw that stirs the drink for that offense. There's a ton of data that backs this up. They're worse in every phase on offense when Zeke's not out there. All of them would have gotten crushed in my rankings had Zeke not actually played. And Jerry can make all the can make all the Zeke who jokes he wants to the media. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I felt comfortable that he was going to write that check because at the end of the day, to your point, Steve, he knows that, as I've been saying all along, to win that Super Bowl, which is he has to do before he sheds this mortal coil, (laughs) he has to do one more time without Jimmy Johnson's players to prove that he was right in his mind. And he can't he can't let go until that happens. So the easiest path to doing that is signing Zeke, which is exactly what we've seen. happen. Give him that straight cash. Straight cash. So Zeke uh, signs a eight-year extension for ninety mil, uh, over a hundred million dollars uh, remaining on his contract now. So uh, yeah, highest for a running back ever, obviously highest for a cowboy position player ever. Big earn so, is above the law. Is all I have to. Yeah, <laughs> I can buy my way at any. <laughs> Like I said, this this was where they were ultimately going to end up. This oh, is yeah. what we've talked about all along. So, no shock here. Well, for the us. Situation for a lot of other people, a, it was. <laughs> yeah, the situation that needs more attention is the situation in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, Melvin Gordon was given permission to seek a trade finally, 
And that Wait. wasn't so much shocking to us. But again, something we talked about. The only way that this situation was going to resolve itself was through a trade or through him sitting out and signing somewhere else in the offseason. Like there, there was no way that they were going to pay Melvin Gordon to stay there. Not with Eckler, not with Jackson. They have too many other options to move on from. Melvin Gordon had no leverage in this situation. So now he's left with basically two choices. He can try to find a trade, and if he can find a trade and move on to some other team that's willing to pay for him, great. Otherwise, you're either sitting out the whole season, preserving yourself for next year like Bell did, or you're coming back in week 10 so that your contract doesn't get voided and you at least get some money this season. And you accrue the year of eligibility towards your contract, right. which is the other thing that's worth mentioning. Because at some point, the franchise tag could be tossed around into this. But let's not complicate it any more than we have to. But yes, so basically, I mentioned it earlier in the, the staff chat. I feel like the only way that something happens here is if some team that's competing is desperate for a running back and is willing to make a trade to get Melvin Gordon, not to keep him long-term, maybe, but as a temporary Band-Aid. Yes, to uh, try and win the Super Bowl. So a great example would be, I don't know if they would trade him. Well, I don't know. I was going to say New England, but I don't know if they would trade him to New England because that might be someone yeah, that could I, interfere with their AFC hopes. But, yeah, but we take certainly it. anybody in the NFC. I think people take your meaning. You're, the the idea would be to ship him off to somewhere, even potentially as a one-year kind of, I don't want to say rental, because that's not really appropriate for football. It's more of a basketball thing, but that's kind of what I mean here. Play the, play here for one year, and then go out on free agency and try and get your huge deal that you're looking for. But in the meantime, try and help us get to the playoffs. I know what you mean. It's just, yeah, in the AFC. Yeah, the question is, difficult. with how good the Chargers have been, it's not like they're not you know, going to be a good team. It's not like, I mean, I personally have them winning the West. I think they'll definitely make the playoffs again. I so, still think they're, even if they don't, that they can get a wild card. So exactly. So it's not like he's going, looking for a better situation playoff wise. He's looking for more money. So if he gets dealt to a team that's not willing to sign him long-term, does he even report? Yeah. I think that's problem. the issue. That's, that's the issue there, isn't it? And frankly, he might not, because at that point, he might just say, ah, I'll just preserve my body for the year. And in that case, then, I would say it's uh, probably like he gets traded to, let's say, Tampa Bay. And the Buccaneers bring him on, and it's like, all right, well, we'll give you a conditional second round pick. And he sure. has to play eight games for us for you to get a two. Otherwise, you would get, you know, a three or a four, or and then you get a seven if he never plays a snap for us. Right, right, right. If we just, like, yeah, it just doesn't Yeah, you, you, you throw in like a per-game played clause. Yeah, it would have to be uh, something along those lines. But, well, it's we could deal with reality, I suppose, which is that they gave him, they got permission way too late in this process for, my, for anyone's yeah. liking, I think, to yeah, meaningfully do anything. Yeah. So there's, there, you're way too late to really be trying to do this. Rosters have already been set. This needed to happen in July. So... Yeah. Right You're, when he said he wanted the new contract, that's when you start shopping him. Well, You're, you're asking telling, for a one on. now on, when you, you me, should have been doing that. Are you telling me that the Chargers are, are incompetent in the front office? And that Dean Spanos know, right? is Shocking. a joke? And that Dean Spanos doesn't know how to run anything? I, I am shocked and appalled that you would bring that up. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean the guy? Who could, 
You mean the guy who got who got completely owned by Stan Kroenke and is now a tenant in the new Kroenke complex when he had his own plan that everybody laughed out of the room and Jerry Jones called asinine? That guy? That guy can't run a football team properly? I am shocked. I am shocked to <laughs> this happens every year with the Chargers, by the way. They get into a beef over money with one of their players. You set your watch by it. It's the Chargers front office is so woefully bad at being a business <laughs> and actually having money and you're telling me that there's that there's some other reason why they might be playing all their games in a soccer stadium where they don't even have home games and more people flying from out of town to really hmm, that all these ideas might be connected. Huh? Yeah, it's just, shocking. They should have been starting this whole process a month ago. They're a month behind right now. And I feel <laughs> okay. like at this point, the only way that they get a trade done is if some kind of catastrophic injury happens. Or like I said, a team that otherwise thought they weren't going to compete is suddenly competitive for no real reason. Yeah, well, the only offer that they got was from Philly. And I saw your reaction on Twitter and on our staff chat, which this just makes no sense for the Chargers. And I, I agree with you. The one offer that came down, down, down was from Philadelphia, which I would argue that fits your criterion. It's a team that could really use a solid option at running back that would love to try and get back to the, you know, the for yeah, sure playoffs. Competitive. And competitive. Yep. And yeah, they, they, we'll get into it here later in the news, but they've had some roster cuts mm-hmm. at running back. So they, they would be in the market, but that deal didn't make any sense. It made a lot of sense for the Eagles. A lot of sense for the Eagles. Didn't make too much sense. Yeah, for the Jordan Spurs. Howard getting shipped again. Yeah, because the hate for twenty-four-year-old Jordan Howard has gone so far that I don't understand it. Nobody wants him. Ugh, just the hate for Jordan. So Howard. they wanted to flip Jordan Howard back and then exchange mid-round picks to get Melvin Gordon. So basically, they would have been taking on Jordan Howard instead of Melvin Gordon and then barely moving around in the middle of the rounds. It doesn't even make sense for that. It did It did make sense. And it's like, if you hate Jordan Howard that much, why wouldn't you just give us something nice if you really wanted Melvin? Like, if it, you hate Jordan Howard that much, why'd you trade a pick for him in the first place? Yeah, it's so odd. That whole, that whole thing today, that was such an odd trade, and it just didn't make any sense for the Chargers. I saw some people saying, oh, you should probably jump on that if you're not here. But it's like, I would rather keep beating my head against the wall with Melvin Gordon, I think, like what? There's not enough upside on that. I want a one. It the, the, their expectations are insane. Yeah. To your point, Steve, I think this ultimately ends with Melvin Gordon probably just not playing this year. He plays half the season for the eligibility reasons we were talking about that are kind of complicated. But it it's not looking good. It's trending towards him just kind of going to Cabo. Meanwhile, so we have a couple of pieces of news that we're kind of just going to gloss over because we're going to focus on them more later. So LaShawn McCoy, cut by the Bills. Shout out to SoFly Jones. Kyle, Nailed it. Nailing that bold prediction. Nailed it. Crushing it. Nailed baby. it to Crushing the wall. So LaShawn McCoy, cut by the Bills. That leaves just Frank Gore and... Uh, Devin Singletary as the uh, running backs in Buffalo. Gore was named the week one starter. McCoy, meanwhile, signed with the Chiefs, reuniting with former head coach Andy Reid and just muddying up that whole situation out there in Kansas City. So we're going to get more into those situations when we talk about running back backfields later on in the show. Foreshadowing, Jim. Uh, also, the Texans traded for Carlos Hyde, despite, you know, my many complaints. Uh, I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know yeah. why Bill O'Brien personally hates me, but they go, apparently... those, those complaints get read and then go right in the circular file. And then he does the opposite of whatever you suggest. That's that's actually that's Bill O'Brien. That's that's how that's getting run. So, of course, they get Carlos Hyde from the Chiefs and then immediately cut Dumaria Crockett, who I was hyping up all last week <laughs> because, of course, why not? Sure. Uh, they also cut Vincent Smith because they opened up a uh, wide receiver spot by getting Kenny Stills, which I think is a great move yeah, that for them, going smart. out and getting Kenny Stills. They got uh, Laramie Tunsil to That's finally awesome. get a left tackle, also a good move, improve their offensive line. So uh, trading Jadavian Clowney to the Seahawks for nothing didn't make a lot of sense, but <laughs> at least they fixed part of their issue on the offensive line and got a, a different weapon out there and Kenny Stills. So what do you think the fantasy impact is of uh, Kenny Stills now for this season? Oh, for Kenny Stills, it kind of moves him very little in, pra- in a practical sense because he's kind of still the same thing. He's the third guy uh, effectively still on a team. Now, granted, it's a much better team with a much more potent offensive attack. So he does go up from that perspective. What I, what I did with Kenny Stills is I basically took his current projection and then moved him up about, didn't actually go up that much. He went up about four or five spots at wide receiver. And uh, it's mostly because he's now got himself into a situation where if something were to happen to Kiki QT or Will Fuller, that's where Kenny Stills gets very attractive. And that would never happen. Yeah, never, never. That's never happened before and will never happen again. Clearly. <laughs> The Texans, the Texans also cut oh, my hamstring. <laughs> that, that's mean. That's uh, also unfortunately accurate. The Texans also cut other depth running back, Karen Higdon, which was the other guy people were hyping up on Twitter and in certain areas of the fantasy community. So I really don't understand why people think Carlos Hyde is better than any of the slew of people that the Texans just released. And I do not understand why you would trade Jadavian Clowney to the Seahawks for a ham sandwich and a hard roll with ketchup on it. And also notorious bust Barkevious Mingo. But overall in the day, because it was a wild day watching Bill O'Brien try and wheel and deal like it's a <laughs> it's going out of style. I'd say overall, I kind of give him like a C. You know what I mean? Because I agree with you. Getting Kenny Stills and getting Laramie Tunsil, uh, really, really good ideas. It solved very, a lot of their very, issues. Very solid um, pickups there. He started off really poor, but he kind of turned it around there halfway through the day. As you mentioned, Kiki QT, Will Fuller, not exactly the picture of health. Either one. Yeah. And we've seen in the past that when either one of them goes down, there is nothing behind DeAndre And then they even got rid of Smith, which is what I thought was fascinating because I just don't like he played so much in the preseason. Okay. Well, that's well, he played so much in the preseason because they had nothing else. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's true. And, and QT true. was hurt. They didn't want to hurt Hopkins. Like it's yeah, they're not there was putting so... Fuller out there too much. They only let him play a very small amount. I mean, at one point last year, the number two receiver on the Texans was Bruce Ellington. I, I mean, if you're relying on Bruce Ellington as your number two, yeah, you got problems. You have gone so far down the rabbit hole. Uh, there, yeah. There's no helping you. You got real. So problems. to get Kenny Stills legitimately I'm a huge nuke guy you know I have a lot invested in DeAndre Hopkins this season oh, yeah. if something were to happen to DeAndre Hopkins Kenny Stills could realistically be the number one receiver on that team just yeah. from a pure skill set oh, yeah. standpoint sure. and in terms of target share and volume Kenny Stills could be a wide receiver too 
on the Texans. The only issue so with once he Kenny gets Stills, adjusted to the uh, the well, that's part playbook. Of yeah, that's part of it. I mean, by week four or five, he could establish himself as a legitimate. He could be the Muhammad Sanu of this offense, if you will. Yeah, the no, guy that nobody seems to want, even though he puts up a ton of points. Yep. Well, it's because it's not flashy in any way. But with Kenny Stills, he's got more of a deep threat to him than Muhammad Sanu does. But the thing I like about Kenny Stills in this offense is that if something was to happen to Will Fuller just put Kenny Stills on the outside and just let him run down the field. It's what he's best at. Yep. And it was smart because he was disgruntled in Miami. He was beefing with ownership publicly on Twitter. It was this whole thing about police brutality that we're not going to get into here because it's a fantasy podcast. But his he probably should should have gotten out of Miami, and that was a good way out. So it made a lot of sense to do that. And it's a great move for the Texans just as just from depth purposes. I like where your head's at. With He could rotate over if something was to happen to Nuke. Uh, he's not going to re- replicate Nuke's numbers, but you know, not to throw too much cold water. Kenny Stills himself is not necessarily the picture of health either, but point. he is so much better than anything else you had before. To your point on the Texans roster, that you got to have an eyebrow raised. So he's he's almost kind of like that wide receiver handcuff. You know what I mean? If you're sure. if you're if you're into that if you're into that uh, bomb for a ton, and picking up Kenny Stills towards the end of your draft or on waivers right now. If you were way high on Will Fuller, man, he knows what he did. He knows what he did. He's listening <laughs> he to this. He knows. He knows. Way reach on Will Fuller. Go pick up Kenny Stills towards the end just to make sure that you've got – he's a really nice flyer at this point. I actually I, – I like his situation so much more than whatever we were going to see out of him in Miami. Closing out the backfields that we'll talk more about in a little bit, uh, Jarek McKinnon was placed on IR. Uh, he, I believe, is possibly eligible to come back but for the most part done for this season. Uh, at the very least, it crushes any kind of value you might have had for drafting him, so he's not worth drafting at all. Yep. Uh, if you're still drafting now, and it just skyrockets Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. I had Coleman higher. Uh, Breida has been named initially the starter. I don't really buy that, but again, that's a topic we will get more into a little bit later on. Meanwhile... Uh, A.J. Green avoids the IR. What was scary was we didn't get a chance to mention it last week because there was so much we had to get through. But for A.J. Green, they said that week three would be the best case scenario for him coming back. So we were anticipating two weeks for sure. Now they're coming out and saying week three is the best case scenario. And just before the season starts... They said, well, he doesn't need to go on PUP, which would put him out for six weeks, and he doesn't really need to go on IR, which would be at least eight weeks, if not the whole season. So I'm a little bit terrified at what is actually happening with A.J. Green's legs right now. Like, this is (sighs) a little scary. This is so bangles to just give you vague, nebulous time. Remember last year? This was where you were spot on. where You're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. They're saying he's going to come back, and I don't believe it. And. On and on and on. Well, but what was scary saying, about that is they kept forcing him to come back, and I kept saying I don't want any part of AJ Green because he's going to hurt himself. Right, and then he's going to get re-injured, and eventually that's what happened here, and it yeah. just it crept up on him in the preseason, and now so here, I'm afraid they're going to try to rush him back again. I I think I think uh, what I've been saying all along is that you should be looking at AJ Green to come back in week four, and so for me. I wasn't as freaked out by this as other people seem to be because I've been saying all along that I think they're going to just, they're going to shut him down. If anything, 
even remotely weird happens, but they don't want to put him on pup because they want to try and put him back. They want to try and get him back before week six. So I think they're probably just going to more or less shut him uh, for the first like three or four weeks of the season. You might see him working to the side practice and things like that, but I don't think he's coming back until week four. That's, that's kind of what, that's kind of been what I've saying all along. Cause that, that jives with why you would do this. You know what I mean? If it was really bad, you would think you would just pup him then against the Bengals. But normally you would put him on the pup for six weeks or you would IR him if you thought it was going to be worse than that. The fact that they didn't do that tells me that he's got to be somewhere in the neighborhood. I will be freaked out by the way, if I find out that he's playing in like week two, all of a sudden, that's a major problem for me. My narrative has been week four, and I'm, so so far we're right on track. For me, I budgeted week five, missed the first four games of the season. I'm all right with that. If I can get him on my team late enough in the draft and budget a replacement for four weeks, I feel pretty good about it. I liked it so much, I did it in our Golden League draft. Meanwhile, Elijah McGuire gets cut by the Jets. He lands on the Cleveland practice squad. Yeah, interesting note, just because I felt like McGuire had some flashes last season, I thought he might actually make an actual team this year. I was surprised he cleared waivers and actually just went to a practice squad. I thought he was going to get signed by the Texans. Should have been. <laughs> thought that was what was going to happen as soon as he got released, and it didn't. It was uh, weird. Let's go through some quick hitters here. Uh, yep. Josh Doxson also released, signed with the Vikings. It's an interesting one for uh, basically he's the number three guy there. It and just, if he can ever stay healthy, which is his problem, you know, he could have some flashes and some use later down in the season. It makes that Chad BB flyer that I've seen people taking at this point. Yeah, and it, it just screams bye week fill in, doesn't it? Yep. So I wouldn't. There's he's going to have nothing on the waivers, and he's then all of a sudden, it's like, oh hey, Josh Doxson's. Oh out hey, there. Josh Doxson, it's the third guy. Yeah, and if something was to happen to one of the other two, Diggs or uh, Thielen. Uh, he would probably be the next man up. Uh, Graham Gano was placed on IR, so he is obviously out for the season. Uh, Joey, I believe it's Slythe. Is that right? Slyle? Something like that? I, I think it's Slyle, but don't quote me on that. Is the, uh, the new kicker in Carolina. I, I, I have him number 14, I think, in my ranks. So They'll kick a lot of uh, field He'll goals. get opportunity. Speaking of kickers, uh, they re-signed Matt Bryant in Atlanta after forcing him to retire. So that Giorgio <laughs> Tavecchio thing didn't really work out. Yep. So he's back, uh, back to a top 10 kicker, if you still play with kickers in your league. Uh, speaking of the Eagles, like we mentioned earlier, both Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood were cut. Adams landed on the practice squad with the Jets. So that's interesting because, again, I would rather have Elijah McGuire, but what yeah. do I know? Well, we'll see what and happens. And Wendell Smallwood, <laughs> very interesting, signing with the Redskins. What do you think yeah. about that one? That's a good move for them, uh, for the R's there, because they need something to go behind. It's a confusing move. It is, but they, I think it's it's smart in this sense. If you just assume that Chris Thompson's going to get hurt and we need to have a replacement for him, then we've done that. Sure. That's I mean, my thought. He's a replacement Chris That's Thompson, but right now yeah. he's the fourth guy on the depth chart. Right, so let him play special teams because I'm pretty sure he can do that. Right, so, so like, uh, what you've got do. Geis, who looks to be the two to three down back. Uh, the third down back is going to be Chris Thompson, Thompson whenever he touches the field. Backup's going to be Adrian Peterson. Then you've got Adrian Peterson, who's still there. He's going to vulture a couple carries now and then from Geis, and then Smallwood is going to get pass-catching opportunities away from Thompson. Yep, so for me, all it does teams. is kind of crush Chris Thompson's already minimal value. 
That's it. There's uh, not and a then whole Kenneth lot Dixon put on IR, released by the Ravens immediately. Our guy Equinemius St. Brown also on the IR for the pack, done for the season. Drew Locke goes to the IR, but he's designated to return, so he can come back later this season. It kind of takes a lot of pressure off of uh, Flacco. The Flack attack, yeah. He's, he's, because he's, there's he's no easy uh, rookie now. breathing down his neck. So Yep. They signed, they signed Bruce Allen from Arkansas to hold that job down and cut Kevin Hogan. For those interested, it's not relevant. And then Nikhil Harry placed on IR. It was interesting because they cut Demarius Thomas, put Nikhil Harry on IR, and immediately re-signed Demarius Thomas. So yep. I don't know why they needed to make that move. They couldn't just put Harry on IR. Don't know why they had to do it in that order, but whatever. It is what it is. So Nikhil, Nikhil Harry should be back later this season. Uh, it's an interesting guy to stash if you can. If you can't, uh, someone to think about midseason waiver pickups for sure. Yep. And then you've got RSJ. Oh, Ricky Seals Jones. Couldn't recapture the magic in Arizona. <laughs> Gets cut. Ends up signing with the Browns of all teams. Yeah. And and Surely now... Depth does, is my guess. Yeah, he's the backup to Njoku. Uh, kind of. And they have with, like several with his hands. I mean, I I wouldn't think that he's any threat to take any kind of targets or anything away from him there. I like I said, purely for depth purposes, I think is why he's on that team. I don't. That's not something I want for fantasy. It's not something I view as a threat to anyone. It's more just depth. Uh, another deep dive. Tory Smith released from the Panthers. Fantasy zombie. So, Tory Smith. Well, not anymore. Now he's just dead. So, well, he'll be back again. He keeps coming yeah, back. Well, he'll be a zombie he if he back. comes back Probably to life. He was, so he's been a zombie like three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll be back. Like. My, yeah, my boy Blue, Alfred Blue, placed on IR by the Jags. He's done for the year. Right Brian Hoyer there. cut by the Patriots. So uh, the backup is the rookie behind Tom Brady. That's interesting. Although, you know, Tom Brady doesn't age or do anything. No, so. yep, doesn't matter who the backup is, clearly. Uh, but Hoyer signs a three-year deal to be the backup in Indianapolis behind Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, so that probably, was interesting. Probably smart by the Colts because your backup was going to be Chad Kelly. That was going to be fun, but it wasn't going to be – wasn't going to be – it was going to be yeah. short. I mean, as someone be... that's seen a lot of Brian Hoyer as a starting quarterback, I yeah, don't know yeah. how much better yeah. it really is. I, well, my point but, is, like, Chad, what is, how long is Chad Kelly going to be a Colt? You know what I mean? He wasn't a Bronco for all that long. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a lot harder to get in trouble with the. Uh, Just Michael. saying, him and Jim Irsay go to the same parties. It's oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe he'll have a ride to a avoid car. each other. Maybe yeah. Jim survey. Maybe Jim's got a car share service at this point. Uh, J.D. McKissick was cut by the Seahawks and claimed by the Lions, which I thought was extremely interesting. Uh, I hyped up Zach Zenner for a little while there in the preseason because someone had to take that Theo Riddick role, and then their one pass catching back which was Zenner, they decided to cut as well. So that just left C.J. Anderson, who has hands that are literally made of butter. Uh, it's just he's gnawing on him like he's Fat Eddie Lacy. And you've got Ty Johnson, who really was not a pass catcher himself. He was terrible at pass blocking in the preseason. Uh, he had only two targets, I think, in the preseason, was not a big pass catcher in college either. So it was a real head-scratching move, which is part of the reason I hyped up on Johnson so much. And then they go out and get J.D. McKissick, and I'm like, oh, well, that makes so much more sense. So I think he has a legitimate third-down pass-catching role once he learns the schemes and gets integrated into the offense and the playbook. Um, 
I think he's going to end up being a, a deep sleeper and a flyer that you could probably pick up and stream, especially during the bye weeks. He will be. I agree with all of that with J.D. McKissick because I've seen him play in Seattle for years now, and he's had some flashes. The question with him is health. He has been hurt just for more games than he's been healthy. So it's interesting that he goes to the Lions. I agree with you. There's an opportunity. Someone's got to be theoretic now that theoretic's gone. And but it is it is a question of availability. Will he be able to be healthy enough to actually play for the Lions? That has been the issue. But I agree with you. It's a name to note and it's a name to, to remember when we get to bye week time. Yeah, again, time I don't care is, about him for the season. I'm not saying go pick up JD McKissick. No, right but now. weekly weekly spot so, starts. Yeah, uh, exactly. A, uh, yeah, when, sure. when it's Tuesday yeah. morning and you're desperately going through waivers, reading the column on the website, importantnonsense.com, and you're out there reading the waiver column and you're looking, who should I be picking up this week to stream because I need a flex or I need a RB2 or something to fill in, there's going to be weeks that the matchup for JD McKissick is going to warrant him being on your roster. And then you can dump him the following week yeah. and not feel bad about it. Yep. Like he, it's he's literally just a plug and play streamer that I'm not going to rely on. I don't care about his injury history and his health when I just want him for one week anyway, and I'm basically playing DFS with him. Purely as a streamer, the, as an, an emergency flex yeah. or RB two. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Get and then DK nine, Metcalf back practicing. He is named a Week One starter. There's not a lot of surprise there. There was some concern early on with the arthroscopic knee surgery that he might not play. But he will make his NFL debut this Sunday. And you want to talk about fantasy zombies. Your boyfriend won't go away. Michael Crabtree, listed as a starter in Arizona. Again, we mentioned last week he signed on after Hakeem Butler went down for the season. So he is now, (laughs) he's there with Larry Fitz and Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. And somehow listed as a starter over those guys that have been there That's right. Michael Crabtree still got some gas left in the tank. Uh, That makes me smile. I never thought he would be listed as a starter. That's why I listed that on the show notes because I was like, how? The fact that he's listed on the roster is amazing. You've been there for one day. How did this happen? You're starting? Like, get out of here. He doesn't even know the playbook. And they're like, yeah, go for it. What's going on with the rest of that team? It's so weird. It's just so odd. Arizona's just trying to be terrible, and they're doing a great job. Well, they're doing excellent. I was going to say, they are. Second to none in that department. By the it's way, the we one glossed, thing they do well. It really is the one thing they do well. The one thing that we glossed over with Alfred Blue getting going to IR is that that really kind of makes it uh, <clears throat> Ryquell Armstead uh, becomes a little bit more interesting as the Fournette backup guy. I would mention that because it was kind of a weird three-headed type of deal, like who's going to do what. But with Blue going to IR, it kind of clears that up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to give a shout out to all of our guys at importantnonsense.com. All of the work they're putting in for us this season. We have a full slate for all of our subscribers out there. If you're not already subscribed, you can go ahead, go to the website right on the main page. There's a sign up. We sign up, subscribe. You'll get notified every time there's a new uh, there's a new article, there's a new podcast, there's a new anything. We are churning out more nonsense than we so, ever have in the it's consi- it's week long nonsense, Neil. It's yep. just it's end end. it's nonstop nonsense. Six months a year, <laughs> exactly. Sixty <laughs> percent of the time, it works all the time. All the time. But the preseason is technically still here. I mean, it's week one, but the games don't kick off until tomorrow, Neil. There's still time. You can go out right now, 
to rotoinsurance.com and make sure that you are insured for this season. All you have to do is pick a plan and put in the promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, NONSENSE, and you'll get 20% off of your plan. Just go to rotoinsurance.com, make sure that you've got insurance to cover you for when one of your players goes down, rotoinsurance.com is going to pay you back your entry fee. So go to rotoinsurance.com, promo code NONSENSE, and get 20% off today. All right, Neil, we're getting back into our regular season schedule here. Uh, Of course, last season, one of our most popular segments was Trust or Bust, huge success. And this year, Trust or Bust is expanding. It's becoming its own show. I would say, so popular, so popular, we had to spin it off. It's got its own spinoff. It's it's the Frasier of segments. It's, it's the high, its own it's, it's thing. The thinking man's cheers. It really, it really is. It's that's for the educated. Exactly. So, uh, helping us out with that is one of our new additions from the off season. It is Jason Draven at that FF nerd joining us here now. Jason, welcome to the team. Hey guys, uh, pretty happy about it actually. So I'm excited to do this segment for you for sure every week. Yeah, we're excited to have you, man, for sure. So uh, why don't you give the listeners a little background about yourself? Well, um, I have a bachelor's of science and a master's in exercise science and I'm pretty nerdy. Uh, and of course, I mean, I'm a huge Chargers fan and a USC Trojan fan. I was born in San Diego, so that definitely uh, leans me that way and I was real sad when they went to L.A. What are your feelings on Reggie Bush? The Bush push. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm real I upset that it. we didn't win that game. So I love it. Probably even more upset that they had to give everything back. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. It's okay. <laughs> I still like Pete. All right. Give him a break. Hey, hey, listen. All right. I was born the son of two Tennessee volunteers. My entire family's Tennessee volunteers. So... I know a little something about like heartbreak, frankly, and hatred. My favorite part about that is just that Reggie Bush is like the black sheep and the abomination of the alumni, but OJ Simpson, he's their guy. Still good. (laughs) Still good. Loving the juice. The most. No idea why that worked. (laughs) That is the most conflicting new Twitter account of 2019. That is. That Twitter it's account that he has started. Scary is how good it is. So it conflicting. Really is. So conflicting. <laughs> gripping, right, but gripping social media. For uh for Jason's intro to everybody, we're gonna do our other popular segment. We're gonna go into a little bit of devil's advocate. May I play devil's advocate for a moment? It's time for some devil's advocate. Who's the devil are you? Debating the topics. There's still one thing that doesn't make sense. The community is talking about. Now, what were we talking about? <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to have the draft back. It's good, it's good to be back. Back into the regular season form. Oh, I miss the drops. Going good. Ah, good stuff. All right, so we're going to kick it off. We're talking all backfield roundup this week. So it's all the backfield situations that are kind of a jumbled mess at the moment. And we're going to start it in San Francisco, out your way, Jason, with the Niners. We're going uh, Matt Breida listed as the week one starter. Tevin Coleman listed as the backup. Um, let's see. Uh, you're going to take Matt Breida in this debate? 
Yes, you're going to take the yeah. breach yeah, side. Yeah, he, he's pretty much going to be the one who matters, so it's I'll go with me. Oh, oh all right. Ooh, whoa, oh, hey. All right, I'm going to take I'm going to take Kevin Tevin Coleman. I'll kick us off here. So for Tevin Coleman, my logic is, and it was in my rankings as well, I had Coleman as a top 25 running back. He was right on the fringe border of being RB2 after the Jarek McKinnon news came out. And basically my thought process is every time he was given the opportunity, especially in the Shanahan offense, he really thrived in Atlanta. So now coming over to San Francisco, playing in that same familiar offense, with his skill set and what he can do for that team. I feel like at some point he's just going to break out and it'll be too good to try to keep him behind Matt Breida. Yeah, and I understand that. I mean, he got paid for sure, but you got to look at Breida. Last year was his real first time starting. I mean, he had a lot of good looks. Uh, Last year he was targeted 31 times, caught 27 of those for 261 yards, okay? That's an 87% catch rate. That's stupid, the amount of times he was able to get the ball. <laughs> and beyond that, he had six yards per touch. Like, And he only fumbled it once. And granted, he was pretty much the, every week he was on the injury report. But you know what? He came out and he fought through and he was somehow on the field every week. It was stupid. He's too resilient. And I just I'm, I can't get on with Coleman here. Is there anything scaring you away from Tevin Coleman? I mean, not really, just be, uh, maybe the money. Just that That'd be like the one thing more. that I'm worried about. I mean, I, I like Coleman. I think it's probably going to be a more preservation thing because they have way too many injury issues in San Francisco. So probably a 70-30 or 60-40 split. That's being generous. Yeah, I would think closer to like 60-40, somewhere in that range. Well, <laughs> there's no. this is one of the situations where there's no real third guy yet. We haven't we haven't made it. That'll emerge uh, more or less into the season. Well, you don't want Jeff Wilson? No, not really. And uh, <laughs> if I had to pick, <laughs> if I had to pick, I'd say it's probably going to end up being a sixty forty split uh, Breeders way. That's not to declare any kind of winner or anything. But if you want my personal real opinion on the matter, like you I'd... declared a winner. I yeah, well, like... I kind of did. I kind of did. Wow. <laughs> I, I right. kind of did. I see. Yeah, I see. and and that's uh, uh, so. Anyway, all posturing aside, because we do need to pivot off into the next topic, but. Uh, Steve, is that is that kind of how you see it? Do you really are you saying Coleman sixty percent? I, I kind of how your rankings. Okay. Yep. All right. So then it's it's a legitimate split. The crowd is still split here because I'm I'm leaning a little bit more Breida's way and more, more than anything, I'm just sad that we don't get to see Jarek McKinnon for two years in a row because I was looking forward to. Yeah, that. I'm worried his career might be over. Uh me too. That's really sad. So don't you know? Mm. Kind of like he could go to the box. <laughs> That is, sir. There is no need to kick people when they are down. Why? Just there are why plenty of other people on this list we're going to get to who, who, I, who could go to the Bucks. Okay, like a, oh, okay. <laughs> poor Jarek McKinnon. He'll find a job. Yeah, I mean, talking about wheeling and dealing, we're back to my team again. So uh, yeah, Houston, this one out. you got the Duke, and you've got the Abomination. So uh, <laughs> who's who's going to take what? We'll let the Abomination go for it. Tear it down. Well, okay. So he's granted he's been there for a while, you know. He's been in the league forever. It seems like he just signed. Uh, wait, I guess I should actually say the name. Carlos Hyde is going to be the guy who you're regular going to listeners the know who we're referring to. <laughs> but you know, he's there. He's going to be the one who probably pushes it in. Honestly, I'm really seeing it as a great tool for Duke, just because that's his role is to catch the ball, as compared to being the real between the tackles guy and. 
I'm worried that he's just not used to having all the touches. So I think that's going to help Duke Johnson be more effective. And honestly, while I say push it in, it's really to push it across for a first down or something along those lines because Duke's more than likely... It's not some sort of gross, I, gross hyperbole that was going to get you banned. Good, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> family uh, podcast. Yeah, this is a family show. Thank you. Despite what all those reviews on iTunes say, uh, <laughs> what I would say is, what I would say is, is that look, the the Texans have done everyone in the football and fantasy football community a disservice by bringing Carlos Hyde in for his fifth team in four years. We could go back through the yards per carry, which is terrible. We could go back through the, in eighteen months. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We could go back <laughs> through his yards per carry career, which are horrible. We could go back through his injury history. Frankly, I see this as a mere speed bump in the road for about five or six games before the Texans look in the mirror. And what I mean is Bill O'Brien looks in the mirror and realizes, oh, what have I done? And then it's not even Carlos Hyde anymore. It'll be someone else who emerges or somebody TBD that they get for a Psalm and Carlos Hyde will yeah. be on J-J-I a different team or on the street. Yeah, or he'll be on IR one or the other given his. So I have zero interest in Carlos Hyde. He really only is there in my eyes to, from a fantasy perspective, to just suck value out of Duke Johnson. Uh, and that's kind of the, the way that I see it. Now I will pause and go ahead and just say for the sake for, of reality, for, me, for the sake of reality yeah. real quick. Uh, yeah, man, you can't give Duke Johnson the entire workload. Jason, I totally agree. Yeah, with he'll, that's he'll it. die. It's, you can't do that. He'll die. He's not big it's enough. It's just easing the pressure off of Duke Johnson. I feel like it helps yeah. Duke's value because giving him the full workload, I feel like he would just be destroyed. That ends in, that, behind that line, that, that ends in tears. Week. That ends in tears. That's, that, that's going to so, be sad. Here's the fun thing about it, though. Okay, you have Duke there, and uh, you know what really happens in the red zone when you're on the Texans? You don't run the ball. Once you're yeah, shot in the five, it's not happening. run around. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, they can't like, possibly. What, they what needs yeah. to happen is the offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, has to sit down with the head coach, Bill O'Brien, and then they need to get together with the general manager, Bill O'Brien, <laughs> and they all need to just have a powwow and get on the same page because they're all just confused right now. All right, yep, we're moving on to the Chiefs, vacation. speaking of confusing. So, uh, Neil, I think you're going to kick us off here with uh, the incumbent starter in uh, Damian Williams. Yes. And so for the Chiefs backfield, it was announced that uh, with the signing of LaShawn McCoy, that he and Damian Williams will be co-starters in the Andy Reid offense. And here's here's what Uh-oh. I can tell you. I don't about like that. the sound of that. You were right to not like the sound of that. It's bad news. But here's what I can tell you. McCoy, that's nice that he's coming back. And yeah, it's going to be a downgrade to Williams in the short term. But Williams is still the one you want. And he'll still get close to the value that, that uh, you originally had put in for him. Just because McCoy is Frankly, he's old, he's washed, and there's no way he's going to be able to make it through the whole gauntlet of what they're going to ask him to do. Opportunities there for him, but unfortunately, this is one of those situations where the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I'm sticking with Damian Williams, and while granted, he's not necessarily the most athletic or you know best best person individually from a talent-wise, he's the person that's going to be the most available and uh, should get first crack in that offense, even with McCoy Bean. Yeah, but... My thing is, he has the talent. The only issue that really has ever happened is he's been on the Bills. I mean, when he was at the Eagles, he was solid. But okay, now it's another Reed. Reed and him have that connection. I like the like the chance that he has. I like that he's the more mature back. Clearly, the oldest of the group. I mean, all the the Williams and Thompson. I mean, it's just a a mess. But I really think that he's the one who, when you're in that 
goal and go, and he's the one that you're going to trust to really carry that ball. I mean, it's just the line set up for that, and I think that he'll have a better shot than he would ever have had it at the Bills of trying to make something happen. So here's my take. Everybody for the first few weeks is going to have McCoy and Williams, and that is absolutely correct because they're going to get as much run as possible. And you're going to see a ton of people in the first three, four, five weeks of the season who are just outright cutting Darwin Thompson because they need to pick up somebody off waivers. They have to make some kind of move. And he's the expendable guy on the bench. And as soon as that happens, I'm scooping him up and throwing him on my bench and waiting because this whole thing just feels like the 2015 Cardinals all over again. That you have the incumbent starter who's just okay, like Andre Ellington, and that's Damian Williams. And you've got the old veteran who nobody wants anymore, but is still going to get a ton of touches because of the connection with the coach, and that's McCoy. And you've got the rookie who is sitting back there and is the most talented guy and by the fantasy playoffs is going to be the one that's the starter, and that's David Johnson, which here is Darwin Thompson. Wow, those names sound familiar. So if I'm stashing anybody, it's Thompson. But if for the first few weeks, yes, you, I would play McCoy and not feel horrible about it. And I'm still playing Williams. I feel like they're both going to be more in flex range than they are RB2 type territory. Yeah, exactly. So all hot takes and narrative-based <laughs> arguments aside, uh, yeah, no, I still think Damian Williams is going to end up being an RB2, but it just is a shame because I had him rated as the best RB2 that you could have at RB12, and, uh, sorry, RB13, and uh, now the McCoy thing really does throw some uh, some cold water on it. But I love the Darwin Thompson uh, for later in the season stretch because I genuinely do believe that I don't know which one of these two guys is probably going to end up going down, but there's a real chance that given the amount of volume they're both going to have and given their both relative injury histories over their career, that there's a very likely chance that at least one of the two of them survive the season. Yeah. It's probably going to be Williams to get hurt just because he's younger and he's not as used to it as McCoy is by this point. And that'd be my thought. Well, and his, in his career, Damien Williams has not been the, uh, yeah, that's why absolutely. Yeah. We probably need to pivot off this into, yes, it's on to, uh, onto the bills now where McCoy came from. Yeah, we got the old man who's still kicking around, Frank Gore. What is it you love to say about Frank Gore? Uh, Frank Gore is going to Canton three and a half yards at a time. And when he there actually go. goes to get his bust at Canton, he should have to go three and a half yards at a time. The ageless wonder, Frank Gore. He's so good that the Bills just said, get out of here, LaShawn McCoy. Get out of here. We don't even need you around in here. Just get out. Just go. We got Frank Gore. He only played one preseason game. Doesn't matter. Dead, solid, lock, minimum 850 yards. Frank Gore is going to be your starter for at least the first seven or eight weeks of the season before something goes ping and he has to give way. But that's it. He's the ageless one. There's no real analysis here, people. Until modern science can catch up to Frank Gore's body, you just keep <laughs> investing in it. It's what it is. Like it's. I don't know if he's Wolverine or what's going on there, but... The man is built to absorb car crashes, apparently, and he just he just does it every week. And I, at this age, he can't do it for 16 games anymore, but he's going to be dominant for the first like eight or nine, kind of making everybody else irrelevant until we get well past the foreseeable future in fantasy football, which is like seven or eight weeks. Jason, did you have some thoughts on why I might be wrong? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> the real reason is because I saw all the talent that Singletary had. I mean, that's the real 
monster there that's just waiting to you saw him in the preseason games he was doing well uh, again it's learning an offense so i think that's the real reason that gore gets to start i don't think six weeks i'm thinking three to four just so he gets a grip and then it moves on to singletary he's going to get the touches he's going to see what the offense is doing he's going to be able to kind of see what that pace of play is like and easily move into that role i mean that's the real reason mccoy got cut let's be honest and like you said, Frank Gore is the ageless one. He's not going to die. He's just going to be the guy who lives forever. Like uh, Cockroaches and Frank Gore and Twinkies. Perfect. And that's it. I mean, to oh. be fair, well, two years <laughs> yes. ago, Marlon Mack was the hot rookie in Indy, and he could never get on the field because they just loved feeding Frank Gore. <laughs> and last year, he went down to be the backup in Miami, and Kenyon Drake got crushed in fantasy value because they just love giving the ball to Frank Gore. And now I'm seeing the writing on the wall in Buffalo. And unless something finally catches up and destroys Frank Gore physically, I don't think they're going to stop giving him the ball. I think he's still going to have his fair share of the workload throughout this season. It's going to be a situation where if Singletary goes off and is a fantasy-relevant player he's going to have to get a lot of volume catching the ball and he's going to have to hit a couple of home runs so who has a worse horse line i guess would you say the dolphins or the bills oh the dolphins for sure oh yeah the dolphins yeah much worse especially it was bad before but now it's even worse fun fact uh from our friends over at pff the dolphins were the 32nd rated offensive line in the league before they traded Laramie Tunsil. So that, that that should tell you everything you need to know about their current yeah, situation. Now they're into CFL there. territory. They can't even grade it with the same metrics. They've, they've It's gone that far. All hot takes aside, by the way, on Frank Gore, because that was mostly just my Frank Gore fanboy rant, which is why I wanted to do it. And get, my, get my three and a half yards. <laughs> Got to get it in. Got to get my Gotta three get and a half yards can joke in there every year. Uh, but, uh, no, I like Gore, uh, I'd say six weeks is about right. And then I think you'll start seeing it kind of shift into a, a true platoon. And then probably by the end of the year, yeah, it's probably Singletary. So I agree with you, Jason. Yeah. Nobody's committing to Frank Gore. <laughs> I think like, it's, I think it's 60, 40 Gore for the start it, of the season. And by 60, the end of the 40. year, it's 60, 40, 60 Singletary. 40. Yeah. Assuming but I don't healthy. think Frank Gore ever goes away. Yeah. No, unless he gets hurt. And then, so for real, I think that's kind of how you're going to see it. It's going to be 60, 60, 40, one way. And then by the end of the year, it'll be 60, 40, the other way. And that's kind of just going to be the way it goes unless Gore gets hurt and Singletary will take over. Well, you also have Yeldon there. I mean, that's the other kind of wrench in the whole scheme, too. It's like Yeldon's going to be just there being the annoying guy, like always. Yeah, that's what he does best is be really annoying. So, yeah, I mean, both for fantasy purposes and in actuality. Yes, that's that's what that's his strength. Play to your play to your strengths. So speaking of Frank Gore's old team, the Dolphins and their horrendous offensive line, they're next up. Uh, Kenyon Drake listed as the week one starter dealing with the foot slash ankle injury. And then uh, Kalen Bellage listed as the backup. Uh, Jason, why don't you kick us off with a little Kenyon Drake? Well, I mean, he is the better rounded back. He's the pass catcher. He's able to play between the tackles. He's able to do it all. I mean, it's more just getting him out in space and actually using him, which the coaches seem to hate for some reason. I'm not quite sure why they just hate the kid. But he's doing what he can with what he has, and I, the talent's there. That's just it. If he's on any other team, he's probably set, but it's just getting him to somewhere that he can actually play that wants him to play and committing to him. All right, so I'm going to go with Kalen Bellage, and I'm going to start 
by listing everything I like about Kenyon Drake. And now I'm going to start with Kalen Balaj. And what I like about Balaj is that he's not Kenyon Drake. And that's mm. pretty much it. Mm. That's that's the whole analysis. When we saw Kalen Balaj get the opportunity last year, was it pretty? No. It was not pretty at all. But volume is king in fantasy football. At some point, the starter on the Dolphins is going to have some kind of value to be used for bye weeks, injury fill-ins, whatever you need. And at some point, I feel like they're more inclined to give the job to Balage than they are to Drake because they've seen it so many times now. And it, his contract year, they got to see what they've got in Balage. It really feels like they're just going to move on and he's going to end up somewhere else. Probably Tampa Bay, if I was a better man. <laughs> That's a lateral move. It's down the road. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he doesn't have you're to move too far. You're not even leaving the state. Yeah, you're not even leaving the state. You're not moving out of exactly. state. Exactly. There's still no income tax. I mean, it, it just feels like it fits too much. But I'm going Kalen Balazs because he's the younger guy. He's the guy they're going to give more opportunity to. They're, they seem like they're ready to move on from Kenyon Drake. And at some point, they're just going to be done with it. Yeah, I mean, what did last year he had one decent run? And more often than not, I think the better guy who's actually going to be able to do something is Drake. He's just more versatile. He's able to get out in space and kind of make his own area and run. I mean, it's not something that Balazs does. He's kind of just sure be a, a pounder. Be more of a playmaker than Balazs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> no, because Jason, you're spot on there. There, there is, there is some of the idea that Balazs is kind of just a pounder. He really doesn't have any wiggle to him at all. Where Drake, he does give you something in that department where he's not completely rigid. So. Uh, for my money, I would prefer Balage, but what I was actually going to say is, what, y'all hate Mark Walton? Oh, y'all just hate Mark Walton. <laughs> anyway. I mean, you know I don't, because I was no. all over the Mark Walton hype train last year, <laughs> and that worked out for me really well. So, yeah. Uh, last, but certainly least. I mean, absolutely least. Let's close yeah. it out with the Bucks. There's a reason uh, we've got. Last. Peyton Barber listed as the week one starter. Ronald Jones, the backup. Uh, Dare Agumbole, he is the third guy, I guess, technically, behind Ronald Jones, or is he the best? I don't know. He's kind of like uh, the third down back is the way people are selling him, is that they're going to split one and two reps with uh, first and second down with like Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones type of deals. They're going to be your one, two, first and second down guys with uh, uh, Agumbole in the as the third down kind of guy. So he flashed in the preseason. So people are picking him up. It's a, it's a weird deal. I don't know why All you'd right. want the third so down. Guy I'll kick it off and I'm going to go with uh Peyton Barber because he's the week one starter. And when I have him for weeks one and two, while he's still the starter and that's going to be great. <laughs> and then once they've seen him play in weeks one and two, and he's no longer on the team, then yep. I can worry about it. But for then the first to, two weeks, yeah. I'll be set. And then they'll go to my guy, Ronald Jones, for the next, like, three weeks who uh, to about week five or six because he's the draft pick. So they're going to give him another opportunity to come back in there. You know, they're trying to treat it with kid gloves because he came in, and they know they have a bad O-line like they're aware of it. And then, you know, when week, by week six or seven when he's cutting off the team, I'll, I'll worry about it then. Yeah, but then you have a Goombawale. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, I've been saying it all year. I don't know why Gordon hasn't found a spot, and I think this is wouldn't be one of the better ones for him. I mean, hate to say Melvin, that, but that is Melvin. yeah, Melvin, Melvin, my Gordon. bad. I should be more specific. My boy, 
I literally bought a jersey, and of course, he's changing teams. So, <laughs> oh god, uh, that's the NFL model, is what that is. Steve, that's end the show. Is. Hit the hit the drop. Have a week. End the show. That's it. Yeah. End the show. <laughs> Can do. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's it makes too much sense for him to go and end up there. Somebody has to be there. It can't they can do be. it, right? I mean, why not? First, first pick? Nah, probably not. Probably a second or third, right? That's probably what we're looking at for form. We were yeah, talking whenever, about whenever uh, the okay. Bucks are, or the Chargers are willing to settle. I mean, that's when that's yeah. when they'll move. Jason, we were talking about this top of the show uh, in the news section. The uh, the idea of a, some sort of conditional round contract is probably you would have to get how you'd have to get this done now. So it's like a two that turns into something if he doesn't play eight games. That turns into something else if he never reports. That's kind of how we were discussing it earlier. Yeah, that makes sense. But Spanos is just too cheap, man. I, I just oh, I believe that we were talking about yeah, that too. We, we were also talking we were about, talking about, that, about so. that too. That's there you a, go. We should. I didn't realize you were that. We should have had him on to do the segment for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, he we could have just laid into the Chargers <laughs> for ten minutes. That could have been his, his intro. That's what I did. <laughs> hey, 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 all right. The Chargers are great. They know when to move on. But God, he's just so cheap. Tight no, the Chargers are great. The Chargers are great at certain things. Dean Spanos is not. There's a there's a big difference. Like I was referencing how he managed to like get clowned on by Stan Kroenke in a board meeting, which is how you end up being the tenant in Kroenke land. Like that's that's not a good look. That's not. Yeah, it's a it's a top five team with a bottom five office. That's yeah. basically how that's, it rounds out. Yeah. Oh, but that's a uh, devil's advocate for the week, Jason. We want to thank you for joining us. Yep. Thank you, Jason. You Thank you. My pleasure, man. I really enjoyed it. This was a lot of fun. I'm excited to and, do it every uh, week. We will be back with Jason on Friday for uh, Trust or Bust. And you can catch that every Friday, same place that you catch the regular podcast. So twice a week, double the nonsense for everybody. So there you go. We're extremely excited about that. Lots more coming down the trail. So Neil, uh, Jason, we're getting ready for week one. And uh, everybody out there. Good luck to you. We will talk to you in a a couple of days here. Until then, keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.